All right, we're about to break open the Word of God. Are you ready for that? Okay. We're continuing our study through the book of Mark, a series we've titled Serving King. And our text today is found in Mark chapter 1, or excuse me, chapter 9, beginning at verse 2. Mark chapter 9, beginning at verse 2. And I've titled this message today, A Preview of Things to Come. How many of you got this note taker, sermon note taker? Who, who doesn't have one? Okay. Um, if we can, if we can just get uh, those that don't have one, I wanted to do something different today. I mean, I wanted to kind of switch it up a little bit, you know. And so uh, I gave you a note taker with a fill in the blank thing as we go along, um, and then you have to give me some feedback on how you like it when the sermon is over. I'm not gonna promise you I'm gonna do it every week, just so you know. But uh, but I want to do that for you today. Mark chapter nine, beginning at verse two. Hold your spot there. Because I want you to flip over to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17 is the parallel text to Mark chapter 9. And so we're going to be dealing out of two parallel texts today. Uh, Mark chapter 7, uh, Mark chapter 9, Matthew chapter 17, and Luke chapter 9. And I will be teaching out of Mark chapter 17. Mark chapter 17. And again, I've titled the message today, A Preview of Things to Come. Now, Tommy, would you do me a favor? Would you mind moving that table and that stool right about right there? Because I think I might end up coming down and teaching from down there. I want to I try that today. I want to just try it. You know, one of the favorite things I love to do with my wife is go to the movies. We don't get a chance to do it as often as I'd, as I'd like, but... But I, I love going to the movies with my wife on our date night, and it's just the two of us. And we make it, we make it something special. I mean, I, we go, and, and if, if we leave when I want to leave, we get there a, a little early. <laughs> a, a little early. It, 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 if we leave when Pelzetta wants to leave, we get there a lot early, because <laughs> she's a planner. Um, and, and so we get there in time to get our popcorn, you know, and, 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 uh, and, and sit down. I get her the kettle corn. We find the, the best seats to kind of position us right in front of the screen. And we sit there anticipating the movie. And I love watching the movie trailers. Yeah. I love watching the movie trailers because, because they give you a glimpse of the movies that are coming. And Pelzetta and I will sit there and, and we'll, we'll grade the movies right there on the spot. You know, a one movie trailer will play and we'll look at each other and go, uh-uh, we won't be seeing that one. Then another one will play and we'll say, mm, DVD maybe, you know, Netflix, something like that, you know. And then one will pop up and we'll be like high-fiving, like, yeah, we'll be going to see that one, right? All that from a, from a movie trailer. And listen, movie trailers can get you to the place where you get into the movie. And, and, and there are some movies that if you go and see the movie, if you'll allow what you have seen to sink in and have an effect on you, it will change your life. A movie. Let me give you an example. How many of you watched that movie Prayer or War Room? Have you seen War Room? How many of your lives were changed from watching War Room? Okay, all right, let me ask it a different way. How many of your lives should have been changed by watching Wolverine? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Man, War Room had me walking around with the War Room t-shirt on, man. I had the War Room coin in my pocket where I could look at the War Room coin every morning and take a look at it and know that I'm supposed to be praying as often as I think about it. I mean, it, it, a good movie like that will change your life. And listen, we got to that movie by watching the movie trailer that gave us a preview of things to come. Everybody say a preview. preview. Everybody didn't say it. I want, I, no, no, I'm preaching again now. I want you to be the participating church today. Everybody say a preview, preview. of things to come. Yeah, that's what a good trailer does. It gives you a preview of things to come. So here's what I want to do. I want to reach back a couple weeks and grab what Doc spoke about a couple weeks ago. Doc is Ryan Stevens, for those of you who don't know. Um, out of Mark chapter 8, beginning at verse 27. And, and, and Ryan said that was he, as, he was, um, as he was ministering this text, he said, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, some told him, John the Baptist. Some said Elijah or one of the other prophets. And then Jesus asked them specifically, he said, well, then who do you say that I am? And Peter, I love Peter, bless his heart. <laughs> he got it right this time, though. Peter answered him and, and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Matthew chapter 16, verse 17 tells us that Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then he says this, And I tell you, you are Peter, Petros, Little Rock. That's what that means. You are Little Rock. And on this rock, it's not a play in words, Jesus shifts gears a little bit. He says, On this rock, Petra, me, I will build my church. What was Jesus saying there? He says, Peter, you, the little rock, has had something revealed to you that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. And it's on this divine revelation of who I am that I will build my church and the very gates of hell, which stands for death and physical separation. The very gates of hell will not prevail against my church. It will not stop my church because I'm going to die for my church. Then Jesus goes on to say, but I'm going to rise again on the third day. And when I rise again on the third day, I'm going to have all authority, all power will be given to me. And guess what? I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you the, king, uh, the keys to the kingdom. And here's what's going to happen. Whatever you bind on earth, and the Greek text reads like this, whatever you bind on earth will be having already been bound in the heavens. And whatever you loose on earth will be having already been loosed in the heavens. Then the scripture tells us it's from that point on, Jesus begins telling his disciples, listen, man, i got to go to Jerusalem. He tells them time and again, I've got to go to Jerusalem, and there I'm going to suffer many things from the elders, from the scribes, from the chief, chief priests and the Pharisees, and, on the, and then I'm going to be put to death. He says, but on the third day, I'm going to rise again. What is Jesus doing? He's giving them a preview of things to come. 
Doc also said this. He said, Peter didn't like what he saw, what he was hearing, so he pulled Jesus aside and, and tried to rebuke Jesus, right? And Jesus told him, Jesus set him straight. He says, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. And here's what he was saying. He's saying, Peter, your view of why I've come is entirely too small. You've got your sight set on a very small inward picture, a very selfish picture. But here's what I need you to do. I need you to pay attention. I need you to lift your eyes right now beyond what you can see. Why? Because I need you to, to focus on this what's in front of you right now because in six days I'm about to show you something that's going to blow your mind. <laughs> and family, here's what I need you to hear. God is always trying to get our attention, isn't he? And God's desire is for us to lift our eyes beyond our, our present circumstances, beyond what we're experiencing, whether it's good or bad, whether it's joyful or sorrowful. He wants us to lift our eyes so that he can reveal a much greater and more substantive picture of the things that he has in store for us. It's just like watching a good movie trailer. If you're watching and listening, it will review, reveal clues for you. It will give you a preview of what's in store for you. God does that for us. And so here's the key takeaway. Here's what I want you to hear. Whether you don't hear anything else in this sermon, I want you to hear this today. God wants to blow your mind. I love that term. That's an old school term. God wants to blow your mind with a fresh, a fresh revelation of what he has in store for you. A fresh revelation of what he has in store for you. I said earlier, and I'll say it again, I love being your pastor, man. I'm watching many of you just grow, grow in your faith. There are already many mind-blowing stories of God revealing himself to many of us that are sitting right here, right here in this room today. But I believe that, that God truly loves to blow our minds with fresh revelation of who he is and the future that he has in store for us, the future that he has in store for you. And so... From our text today, I want, to, I want to give you, make you aware of three timeless truths about our Father that he wants to reveal to you in a fresh, new way. You guys ready? If I said anything, y'all must not be ready. You guys ready? I'm ready to give it to you. Here's the first one. Spending time alone with him, with our Father, will transform your life. Spending time alone with our Father will transform your life. Are you at Matthew chapter 17? Are you there? Okay. Look at verse 1. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. Everybody say, by themselves. by themselves. 
And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Spending time alone with the Father will transform your life. It will transform your life. Spending time alone with the Father, alone with him. You know, sometimes we just, we're just too busy, aren't we? Hmm? Yeah, sometimes we are. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time that you were intentionally alone by yourself? Intentionally. Okay. When is, when is the last time that you intentionally took time out of your busy schedule to be alone with God? Hmm. Summer's busy, man. I can't tell you how many times this whole summer I've had people from, all, from everywhere tell me, man, I can't wait for winter to happen. I was on the phone with somebody the other day, and they were having coffee on their deck, and then we were talking about the leaves on the trees turning with the fall. She's like, oh, yes. Why? Because the summertime here is so busy. We get busy. We get busy. Sometimes too busy. I think that that could have been the, the physical state of Jesus' disciples. Have you ever noticed that it seems like the disciples are always tired? Notice that? I think it's because the pace of Jesus' life was wearing him out. I can imagine Peter, James, and John. I can imagine they're like, come on, oh, oh man, okay, I just need some rest. And Jesus goes, hey, Pete, thunder, lightning. <laughs> you know Jesus had nicknames for everybody, right? He did. You know, because he called, he called uh, James and John Boangrides, the, the sons of thunder, right? So I just, Pete, thunder, lightning, come with me. I got some place to go. I need to show you something. And I go, man, Jesus, really? Again, they were tired, man. They were worn out. Jesus knew it. So he takes them up to the side of the mountain to be by themselves, now, most contemporary scholars believe that the mountain that Jesus was on was, was Mount Hermon. Remember I, I read earlier about, out of that passage in, in Psalms 133? And Mount Hermon was, was located about 12 miles north of Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus says, I mean, and the scripture says that Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to the side of the mountain to pray. They were together by themselves. I love that passage of scripture in Psalms 133. I read it earlier. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers, sisters, to be in unity. And then it goes on to say, it's like the dew that descended down on Mount Hermon, one of the mountains of Zion. Why? Because it's there in that place of unity that God has commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Life. They were together. They were hanging out with Jesus. And Jesus does something in that moment that I think he models for all of us. Here's what he does. He goes in that moment and he gets along with his father. And as he begins to pray, scripture tells us something begins to happen. His appearance 
begins to change. Have you ever been around someone who's been with Jesus and you can just tell they've been with Jesus? Something about them has changed. You can just feel the essence of his presence on them, can't you? Yeah. I can tell often as God gives me discernment when you've been spending time with God and when you haven't. And I hope that you've been with me long enough to know when I've been spending time alone with God and when I have not. We should be able to tell when people have been hanging out with the Father. And here's the key. You cannot hang out in the presence of God without walking away changed. You can't. It's impossible. So as Jesus prayed to his father, he began to change right in front of their face. And here's what I need you to hear. I want to talk about prayer for just a minute because, you know, we stopped just a minute ago and we prayed. Listen, spending time alone with the father in prayer will change you. It will change you. Not only will it change you, but it will change your circumstances. The old folks used to say, and which, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting up there with the old folks now. <laughs> I'm not quite there yet, but, you know, because they were in their 80s. Baby, prayer changes things. Man, could they pray. Man, I remember Mother Lucille Lee, if there was ever somebody that could get a prayer through, if you wanted something answered before I had a relationship with God, I'd find my way to Mother Lucille Lee because, man, that woman could pray like the woman in war room. And I tell you something, when she prayed, God moved. Prayer changes things. As a matter of fact, family, listen to me. Prayer changes everything. Everything. You want to see God move in your life? Pray. And the church said? Amen. Hmm. Yeah, prayer changes everything. So no matter how hectic the pace of your life might be, never allow yourself to get too busy to fail to carve out time to be alone with God. Because the benefit of that family will be a transformed life be a transformed life. So slow down. I'm talking to somebody now. Slow down. Get alone with God. Go be by yourself with God. Be by yourself means don't take your cell phone with you. Be by yourself means, oh, I'm meddling now. Being by yourself means not having those conversations on the phone that you ought not be having because it's taking you outside of the sweet spot of the presence of God and getting you distracted on things that you ought not be focusing on.
You know, it always comes to me first before I preach it to you guys. Paul says, let a man examine himself. I've been examining myself through this test. Yeah. So the first time this truth is spending time alone with the Father will transform your life. Here's the second time this truth. Our Father wants you to see for yourself who Jesus really is. Mm. See, man, things are just coming to me now. See, see, back in the day, everybody say, back in the day. They used to sing a song, an old song. You can't, you can't get into heaven with your mama's salvation. You can't get into heaven on your daddy's salvation. You can't get into heaven on brother or sister's salvation. You got to know Jesus. You got to know Jesus, baby, for yourself. Okay, Lord, why you want to meddle with me today? See, Tommy Barnett, he's a pastor of Phoenix First Assembly. I, I think he might still be pastoring there. He preached a sermon a long time ago. I have it on cassette. You know it was old. He preached a sermon. You've got to build your own altar. You've got to get to know Jesus for yourself, man. In the midnight hour when things aren't going well and it seems like the, the oppression of the enemy is crushing you down, you've got to know how to pray for yourself. I told you, man, some stuff is stirring in the spirit realm. I have been spiritually assaulted by demonic presence like three times in the last two weeks. That scares some of you guys? I'm sorry. How many of y'all scared of that? <laughs> Mike is like, I don't like it either. But here's the reality. Whenever we begin to move forward doing the things of God in our lives, wherever we find that sweet spot of where God wants us to be, just, just know in the part of you that knows things that the enemy is going to oppose you. Yeah. And it's as simple as this. When, 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 when it's time to get to know Jesus for yourself and you press into that time of prayer and silence and solitude with the Savior, just know that the enemy is going to do whatever he can to rob you of that time. If he can keep you out of the sweet spot of the presence of God, he can keep you from being a carrier of the glory of God, the essence of the fragrance of God. So he wants to prevent you from getting to know Jesus and seeing Jesus for who he really is for yourself. Man, I'm going to talk about eternity in a minute. We haven't quite got there yet. We're still in time, aren't we? Okay, so here's what I want you to see. Up to this time, the disciples, specifically the three that hung out with Jesus, they had been privileged to see Jesus in action. 
They were with him when he turned the water into wine. They were with him when he and saw him heal the sick and raise the dead and cure leprosy and, and forgive sins. They saw him walk on water, stop the wind, calm the sea. They were with him twice when he fed more than 20,000 people with just a few fish and a few loaves of bread. They had heard his, his teaching in the synagogues and his discourse in the upper room. They had seen a lot of things through Jesus, but they had never seen anything like this. I believe that this is what John was talking about in John chapter 1, verse 14. And, it, and verse 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. And you drop down to verse 14, it says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full, everybody say full, full of grace and truth. And I believe that it's in this moment that God's grace and truth was on full display in the person of Jesus Christ. I believe in this moment in his grace, God provides us three glimpses into the truth of our future. He gives us a preview of our future. Here's the first of the three. He gives us a glimpse of our glorified bodies. A glimpse of our glorified bodies. Jesus was, was transformed right in front of him, transfigured was the word. It comes out of the Greek word that uh, metamorpho, which means to change into another form. <laughs> oh, man. I almost said Jesus was a first transformer. <laughs> I mean, the way that came from. <laughs> to change into another form. The disciples were given a firsthand view of Jesus in his glorified form. And it also gave him a first-hand look of what, what it was going to be like when we receive our glorified bodies. So they get a glimpse of their glorified bodies. Here's the second glimpse. They get a glimpse of eternity. Obviously, this was an incredible moment, man. It never happened in the history of mankind before, nor has it happened since then. <laughs> Moses and Elijah appearing to Jesus was a big deal, man. Here's what I believe has happened in that moment. I believe the omnipresent God actually suspends time. <laughs> oh, man. I believe he actually suspends time and he pulls the past into the present and gives us a preview of the future all at the same time. Because check this out. There were over 750 years that had, that had been, that had come between the writings of Moses and the time of Elijah. And there was another 700 plus years that had occurred between the prophecies the, of Elijah and the arrival of Jesus on earth. I believe that God suspends time and he gives us a glimpse of what heaven is going to be like. Wow. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ in this place, that ought to give you a preview of things to come. <laughs> I, Lord showed this to me, and I, and I, I was in my, in my quiet time. I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I, I don't need y'all to get happy. I get happy all by myself, glory to God. <laughs> yeah, so we get a glimpse of eternity. We also get a glimpse of who Jesus really is. The significance of Moses and Elijah 
being with Jesus is that Moses was the preeminent lawgiver in the Old Testament. And Elijah is known as one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, and, and I'm, I'm not going to hit this today, but as a matter of fact, um, Jesus says that, that John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. And here's a statement. The statement that Jesus is making here is that the whole of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, has found its fulfillment in me. Standing right here. And so the disciples being there with Jesus in that moment cemented in their hearts that Jesus is who he says that he is. These two Old Testament giants were, were affirming the truth that Jesus had already given the disciples a preview of in Luke chapter 9, verse 31. In Luke chapter 9, verse 31, the, the discourse that's taken place in the conversation between Jesus and Moses and Elijah is, that, is, is a conversation that foreshadows the cross. So Moses and Elijah are confirming what Jesus had already said earlier to his disciples when he told them what he must endure in Jerusalem. Hmm. So, man, I love Peter. Peter is something else, man. You know, we talk about Peter a lot, you know, because, you know, he lacked faith and denied Jesus and, you know, he cut the dude's ear off and, you know, he tried to rebuke Jesus and, you know, he always has something to say. I was thinking this morning, I would imagine, that, you know, there are a whole lot of people when they get to heaven, they want to just ask Peter some questions like, man, what, how, how could, man, what was you thinking? I could just hear Peter go, man, I know, all right, I know. <laughs> I know, I should have known. I know, I know. <laughs> Eternity hasn't even started yet. I'm sure Peter's up there answering those questions. I know, I know. But I love Peter, man. I love Peter because Peter's kind of like me. Peter's not, he doesn't know what to do in this moment, man. It leads me to my third point. Sometimes doing nothing is the right thing to do. <laughs> okay, okay. Have you ever known someone who when something out of the ordinary happens, they just start running off at the jibs. They don't know what to do. They just start talking. Stick their foot in their mouth and all that stuff. You ever know someone like that? I got a couple cousins like that, actually. Getting nervous. Peter is nervous, man. He's panicking. He doesn't know what to do. So he starts talking when he just needs to be quiet and listen and be still. He doesn't know what to say. And so he says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. I'm telling you, I see myself in that picture, and if I know that here's a couple of cats, one is like, is like 2,000 years old, and another one is almost just as old, and they're talking to Jesus, I'm going up to Jesus, I'm saying, uh, is it good for us to be here? I'm not, I'm not giving a statement it's good for us. I'm like, are we supposed to be here with this? I can identify with Peter, man. He should be quiet. He should just be. But instead of just being, he starts wanting to do. He wants to do something. He doesn't understand 
what it means to just be alone and sit quietly in the presence of God. So when God shows up in a fresh new way, it gets uncomfortable for him. Listen, family, we need to begin expecting God to show up in fresh new ways, not just here in this church on Sunday morning, but in our lives every day. God wants to reveal himself to us in fresh new ways, fresh new ways, fresh new ways, fresh new ways. There were things that happened in the Bible that had never happened before. There are things that God wants to do in this day and age that have never happened before. Fresh new ways. Fresh new ways. So here's a lesson, family, as we move more deeply into relationship with God and with each other in this season. We're going to have to learn how to be comfortable with just sitting in the presence of God and not feeling like we have to do something. Man. Y'all pray for me. Because that can be uncomfortable for me. Okay, I'm the only one that that's uncomfortable for. Huh? Come on, talk back to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Got to learn to do that. Sometimes God just wants us to, to sit still and be quiet. In fact, God wants that so much that, that in, in verse 5 of this, of this chapter, while Peter is still talking, God allows this real thick cloud to roll in. And out of nowhere, the voice of God says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Don't listen to Peter. He's running off at the jibs right now. He doesn't know what to do with this new, fresh, new move of God. Just listen to my son. Man, I want to tell you guys about a dream I have, but I'm running out of time. Y'all want to hear it? I ain't telling you until next week. No, I'm not. I don't know. I will tell you about it, though, because it's revelation, man. It's it's revelation. But I need to keep moving because I want to honor our time today. Okay. Here's the point. There are times when the best thing to do in the presence of God is absolutely nothing. Just be. Here's my fourth and final point. Sometimes what he, the Father, has for you is just for you. It's just for you, man. Look at verse 9 of chapter 17 says, And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. Sometimes God reveals something to you, and it's just for you to change you, to change me. Other times, God reveals something to us, and listen, it's not for us to share right now. He just wants us to hold it for a while. And then at the appointed time, God will reveal to us when he wants us to share that. And every single time when we follow the lead of the Lord, when he tells us to share something, it has an impact on the person that we share it with. How many of you know God's timing is not our timing? Somebody said his timing is perfect. Everybody say perfect. Perfect. 
Yes, he's perfect in all of his ways. Now, I need to caution you on a couple of things as I wrap this up. As God begins to reveal things to us, and we have these revelatory experiences about how God is speaking. And maybe for the first time, we began to open our ears to the different ways, the different fresh new ways that God is speaking to us. And he provides us revelation. There's some cautions I want to give you. Right out of this text. Enjoy the experience. Don't memorialize it. Enjoy the experience. Don't memorialize it, man. Just because God gave you that experience yesterday, it's okay to go back and reflect on what he did, but don't go back and think that that's the new standard. You following me? Here's a second. Don't try to reproduce or manufacture it. Man, I'm guilty of this. I'm, I'm so guilty of this. I used to lead worship a lot, and so I would, I would lead worship and like, whoo, the glory came down, glory to Jesus. And, right, and so the next Sunday, I'm like, let's sing that same song at the same time and so that God could move in the same way. <laughs> it never worked. It never worked. God would not be manipulated or controlled, so don't try to reproduce or manufacture anything that God reveals to you. Here's the third thing. Don't try to force others into your experience. Just because I get down on one knee and pray with one eye open and God reveals himself to me doesn't mean that everybody in the church needs to get down on one knee and keep one eye open so God can reveal things to you. Huh? Come on, somebody. But when you pray, when God reveals things to you, God can reveal things to you with the leaves on the trees making noise. God can reveal things to you as you're getting ready to pass that stop sign and you stop and God starts talking to you in your car. Yeah. Yeah. That's your experience. Don't try to force others into your experience. Sometimes what God has for you is just for you. So now after all I've said today, so what? What does this mean for me, Pastor? Mitch, if you come to the piano. God is going to speak to you. Listen to me. Listen to me. This is, listen. Listen. Listen, you got to expect this, man. Some of you have set your expectancy meter way too low. God is going to speak to you this week. He's going to speak to you in ways where you are going to know that it is him this week. He's going to do it. He's always speaking. The question is, are we listening? So here's what he wants. He wants you to be in the position that you need to be in to hear him and receive what he wants to reveal to you.
you have questions that you need to have answered, find a spot. Carve out a spot to be alone with God. Here's the one thing that you can do this week. This is, this is the one practical thing that you can do this week. Try dating God this week. Yeah, try dating God this week. We, 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 we serve an omnipresent Father who is every place at the same time. You set your clock for 7 o'clock in the morning on Monday morning to have a date with God, and guess what? He's already there waiting for you. Yeah, have a date with God this, this week. Set an established time each day to get alone with him and expect him to show up because he will. And here's the second thing. Ask him to give you eyes to see and ears to hear what he's telling you. Ask him for that and then expect him to do it. He wants to. Why don't you stand with me?